Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my intrepid <laughs> co-host, Courtney Kay, coming to you on the first day of the holiday season. It is officially November 1st, which means you can start your Christmas music playlist. Mariah Carey says the holidays start today, and if she says they start today, then they do. But for us, as we're recording, it's actually Halloween. So, <laughs> happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, my fabulous Fallon! What are you dressing up as today? I'm going to be author Barbie. Yes! Um, so, as you are listening to this, there should be a picture on my Instagram, but I am obsessed. I made myself, like, a beauty pageant sash that yes. says Nobel Prize for Literature. Mm. <laughs> I have... It, this is an easy one for me because I already own a lot of pink. So I have like a pink dress. I have pink glasses. I have a pink like Starbucks reusable coffee cup that I'm going to have not coffee in as we go walk around. <laughs> That's the best part about walking around trick-or-treating as a, pa- as a parent. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're ready. And then I made uh, Matt a shirt that says just Ken. So we're ready. That's amazing. What is your kiddo being? He's going to be a firefighter. Cute. Oh my God. Actually, this is maybe the first year that we haven't done like a family costume because he was just like very set on he wanted to be a firefighter. That's super cute. If you're going to do that, I'm going to do what I want. I love it. I love that Matt (laughs) is your accomplice. Your sidekick, Ken. Yes. <laughs> so good. Um, are you, is your, I mean, you're, I feel like your kid is on the cusp of like, is yeah. she still trick-or-treating this year? Yeah, we're still trick-or-treating. Um, I feel like she could get away with it another couple, I don't know, however oh, yeah. long, whatever. Let her be a child. Yeah. As long <laughs> as she wants to. Exactly. Maybe I could do that too. <laughs> As long as I want to, give me candy. I mean, you are very petite. You can probably get away with it. What if my costume is like a a teenager so I could get candy? There you go. I actually have my little Harley Quinn outfit. It's actually like athletic wear that DC makes. And so it's very warm. And um, I'm going to wear that and just put my hair in in pigtails and wear some black converses and call it a day. Um, Amazing. My kiddos be fashion police. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) Is she going to go around giving people tickets? (laughs) Hope so. That's an excellent idea. She is bedazzled. Head to toe. Oh my god, that's amazing. Very cute. Um Okay. <laughs> but okay. Oh, actually, ooh, I have things to Halloween-y things to tell you. Yeah. So we went to Okay, so you know the studio strike has been going on for Yeah. Forever. Oh, way too long. It's so sad. It's actually like so sad. We have a lot of friends in the industry and it's just like Yeah. It's a mess. Rough. Um So one way we were able to support the people who are out of work right now is they put on a haunt at one of the local studios. Oh, fun. And they turned this whole warehouse into a maze. And um, it's like studio production level, like robotics and lights and like props from real horror, like Rob Zombie horror films, like very cool. So that was amazing. However... My kiddo was still pretty traumatized from the night before. Uh-oh. <laughs> when we went to Six Flags Magic Mountain Fright Fest. <laughs> Just those words are very triggering for me. <laughs> so I had never been as a child. I think. What? I Well, I. This is something about my upbringing. I actually was never allowed to celebrate Halloween. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> We went to the Harvest Festival at our church. Got it. 
I never experienced trick-or-treating. Wow. Oh, that makes me so sad for you. See, you really should go trick-or-treat this year. Be like, I'm making up for my childhood, okay? Heal my inner child. Okay, that that would actually be super creepy. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I get it. I enjoy it now with my kid. So I took... Her, it was me and one other mom and seven kids we took to Fright Fest. I have never been. I am a little tiny baby when it comes to like horror shit. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like jump scares. I have very high anxiety. (laughs) So we were watching YouTube videos to try to prep for this because my kid was nervous. Like, oh, that'll be fine. But like all the videos are filmed in the daylight and it doesn't give you the whole. Okay. So the purge siren goes off at the park. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's time. It's seven o'clock. The monsters are are entering the park. They have certain scare zones. Yeah. So my kid starts to get pretty scared at this point because it's dark and it's happening and we're there. So we're able to buy her this, it was seven bucks because of course it was seven bucks. This glow stick necklace that tells the monsters don't scare me. Right. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Does it work? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we didn't know that it, only works for that one person so her and her friends are like huddled around her and the monsters are still trying to scare her friends so she doesn't understand why this necklace isn't fucking working yeah (laughs) so what they want you to do is buy seven seven dollar necklaces yeah yeah so we're going through okay Her and her friends take off through the scare zone in the Gotham City portion, which from a distance was badass. And there's like fog and lights. These costumes that these actors have are next level. They look like demonic creatures and they have voice synthesizers. They get right up in your face without touching you. And they're like hissing and they're terrifying, terrifying. So... My kid is leading the charge with her little uh, outstretched glow stick. (laughs) I can't find them because they went right through like this mass huddle of people. So one kid doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, I don't blame you. So she stays with the other mom. And I'm like, well, I have to go be with the kid. So I have to go through I start to go through the scare zone. And like, if you can imagine, it's like a sequestered walkway. So you can't really get out unless you're going to turn around or go through. Yeah. So I go in and I'm alone. And I think these actors are like, this bitch wants to get scared. So they're like pummeling me one after the other. Like, Fallon, I actually cried. (laughs) Oh, Courtney. And I turn around and like, I knew my kid wasn't in actual danger. So like I turn around and I'm like, I don't think I could. Anyway, I found a different route. The whole thing, the whole night was like this. Okay. It was like so exhausting. Um, Never again. (laughs) Never again. Never. My child said never again. And I was like, yeah, right. You're going to want to go next year. And she's like, yeah, Yeah. probably. (laughs) Oh my God. So I think so you know i grew up five minutes away from magic mountain yes yes um i think i went to one fright fest and i was like probably like 16 or 17 at the time but the problem with going to fright fest at that age is that i had people i knew working in the haunted houses and as the scare actors because my sister did the job you get when you are a teenager who lives five minutes away from magic mountain you work at magic mountain yeah so i like still have a vivid memory of being like in one of the haunted houses and somebody coming up behind me and just being like no 
and I like lost my shit. No. <laughs> and like logically, I should have been like, well, this is one of my friends. Like it's fine. That's not where my brain was. No. <laughs> And yeah, that scarred me for life. And I don't think I've been in a haunted house since. (laughs) Holy shit. Well, okay. So in that moment and like what I logically realized what was happening the other night was like your fight or flight mode kicks Uh in so strong that you're, even though you know you're not in actual danger, everything in your body is saying that you are. Right. So it's like my poor kids started crying and we, because you have to go through these multiple scare zones to even exit the park. Right. Honestly, they were so cool if I wasn't so terrified. Yeah. Um, Like just from like an artistic point of view, they're very cool. Yeah. Like oh yeah. One was neon and blacklight and like nightmare monsters. And I mean, they're on stilts. They're like getting down like creepy in your face it's so creepy we passed these two security guards and my kid is like crying and she's like they're still scaring me even with my glow stick tell them to stop (laughs) (laughs) oh poor baby i know but it was also like we were scared but also laughing a little I mean, you kind of have to at that point. Oh man! Aww, but my um, my sister did one of those haunted houses yeah. for like extra credit for school <laughs> in like junior high or something, and she oh, had man. to play like a. Uh, it was like an asylum, and she was a patient, mm. like climbing up the wall. Amazing. <laughs> well, now you know. Okay, so if you do go back. You just need to find those glow necklaces like somewhere else. Like I'm sure like Dollar Tree has like something similar, you know? Right. Um, but I like that they do that because I don't think they ever did that when I was a teenager yeah, and I was a- there. So it's nice that they are at least trying. <laughs> it's a good option. Yeah. Yeah. Just if you go, you have to know your whole group needs those necklaces. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Maybe you need to make like just like a whole t-shirt just like covered in glow sticks, like just glue them all over the whole thing. <laughs> you know, like no mistakes, people. I want everybody to be very clear on where I stand. <laughs> you know, if you you Oh my god, just this image, it was the literally the best seven dollars I've ever spent in my life. Just the image of my kid, like Going through the park with this stretched over her head and all her friends behind her. You know, like in the Exorcist movies when they wield the cross like yeah. this? Like that. Oh my God, that's amazing. I love that. All right, well, hopefully tonight will be like nice and calm for her then. And... Oh, we're not doing any haunted houses. <laughs> She's like, no, thank you. <laughs> We've uh, had our fill. But this is actually the perfect episode to have debuting on november 1st because we chatted with amber roberts about a bunch of haunted places and spooky things and so uh we didn't intentionally plan it that way but it worked out very well it did like we planned it that way totally uh yeah so we're gonna continue the spooky themed conversation uh and I can't wait. <laughs> yes. I think we also balance it out with 10 things I hate about you, which is yes, cinematic yes. perfection. <laughs> um, we do chat about the uh, bisexual awakening. Uh, 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. That's right. So good. That's what, okay. Maybe one day we should do a group costume and we should all be 10 things I hate about you people. That'd be fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, notes for the future. All right, so we will be right back with Amber Roberts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Happy to meet cute family. We are so, so excited to have Amber Roberts here with us today. 
Amber Roberts writes contemporary romance about unabashedly nerdy characters in ridiculous situations. She lives with her husband, two children, and formerly feral cats in the Vermont woods. We're eating maple. Whoa, what is a creamy? What is that? Creamy? Creamy. It is the creamiest ice cream you'll ever have. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're eating maple. Creamy is a year-round activity. She spends her time copywriting, forgetting to water her plants, same, and awkwardly replying you two at inappropriate moments. (laughs) Amber, welcome. Thank you. You're in good company. (laughs) We literally just had that. I had to run up to solving last week to get some stuff done for our event that we have. And everybody kept saying, like, when I was leaving places, like, have a great trip or, like, you know, drive safely or whatever. And I had to fight every time to not be like, you do. And I, like, (laughs) it was like every time I left anywhere in solving, somebody said something where I was like, no, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. (laughs) Have y'all seen those Instagram reels where uh, they're like, Oh, have have a great okay. So they do a whole U2 thing and it keeps escalating. So like the server brings the pastry to the person at the cafe and the person eating, um, okay, and they say like, okay, enjoy your meal. And then the person's like, you too. And then so then the server sits down and has the meal with them. And then they're like, Okay, I have to go back to work. Um anyway, it, it keeps escalating so that they're all like doing their activities together. It's really funny. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Amber, well, we're so happy to have you here um, and to chat about your amazing, amazing book. We were just gushing about the cover before we started recording. Um, so for our listeners that maybe haven't read it yet, but will obviously be buying in as soon as they're finished listening to this podcast, um, can you tell us all about it? Absolutely. So um, Text Appeal is a book with a woman in STEM um, main character who works a job at a tech agency uh, surrounded by all these guys who think they know better just because she taught herself how to code. Um, And she accidentally projects a totally unsolicited dick pic onto a screen during a presentation and loses her job. So because she, right, (laughs) because she's desperate to pay the bills, um, she ends up taking up sexting for cash at the suggestion of her very outgoing best friend who, while they love each other, sometimes doesn't quite think her suggestions through. Um, So (laughs) the story um, follows Lark, the main character, as she learns how to sext for money, first of all, but also learns a lot about herself along the journey while also navigating a potential relationship with her best friend since college, um, Toby, who who's on the cover and who is very, very handsome. Oh, I love it. Um, is it bad that like my first thought as you're describing that is like, wait, you can sext for money? I could do that. <laughs> Ask me that too. I've had so many people say, oh, wait, this is a thing you can do? Is this real? Did you make this up? And I'm like, I did not. I did not make this up. This oh is an God. actual thing. Um, there are obviously pictures and videos, but just plain texting as well. Um, Amazing. It takes a whole lot of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like as romance writers, we're like perfectly primed for that. <laughs> professional couple side hustle <laughs> oh my gosh I love that so much um well what inspired this book I am a woman in tech <laughs> a lot of men in tech who feel that they know better than I do because I am self-taught mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I like have never been in one of those situations like I've never worked in tech or like in a male-dominated field but I like the secondhand like wrath that I feel when I am reading characters in those situations and I know that it's all shit that has actually happened in real life you know I just like 
oh, I just burn. I burn from it. It just is the worst. I don't know how you deal with that. Well, I um, I lovingly called this my my revenge book when I was first writing it. Um, so I fueled all of that rage into a book. Um, and it's yes. worked out very well for me. <laughs> and now you can just tell like all of your future like colleagues, like you better be cool or you're going in my next book. <laughs> my right. biggest worry. So my boss is super supportive of my writing and he knows all about my book. Um, my biggest worry was that he was going to pick it up and read it and think that the boss was based on him. And oh. so I told him 20 times, 20 different ways. The boss is absolutely not based on you. I promise. I swear it. I will sign like a document <laughs> stating this as fact um, because my boss is fantastic. And, and, Lark's boss is not fantastic at all. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I love it. Did you autograph the book? Like, this is not about you. <laughs> love Amber Roberts. <laughs> no, I'm wishing I had. <laughs> That's like how I signed the book to my mom, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about you. <laughs> I mean, it might generally be about you, mom and dad, but not specifically. <laughs> That's a different story. Okay, continue. <laughs> oh, man. It must be fun to be friends with writers because you're just like constantly like, wait, is that me? Is that me? <laughs> it is. It's you. It's always yeah. you. <laughs> oh, Except my when gosh. it's not. <laughs> Funny. Oh gosh. All right. Well, we're digressing already. As we need <laughs> We tried to convince Amber before we started recording that we're very professional here over <laughs> at Uber Cute, super profesh. Um all right. We'll get back to it, I promise. I do want to hear about your writing process. That yes. is something I do want to hear about. <laughs> um my writing process is basically chaos. Um, and then with each draft, it's a little less chaos <laughs> until yeah. I get to a point where I can hand it to an editor and say, does this work? <laughs> um, so I, I'm a pantser, um, and I start with what I call the zero draft. It's, I, I start writing. I have usually no plan beyond like, Hey, this character might be fun. And I, start with page one and just let the words flow. I don't allow myself to go back and edit or revise until I get to the end, which means I have hundreds of threads that go nowhere that end up being cut. <laughs> um, but I've tried to outline and it's just not something I can do. I think I've always been a little bit of a rebel. And I think that outlining is just me setting up a challenge that I'm like, I made these rules so I can break them. <laughs> uh, so when I discovered that about myself, it got a whole lot easier to just get words down um, because I wasn't constantly trying to break my own rules. <laughs> mm. Know thyself. That. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's so important though. And I, um, I think that is something that a lot of writers early in the early stages struggle with is like, especially because we're so inundated with like, this is how other people do it, that you feel mm -hmm. like how you do it is wrong, but there is no wrong. Like if you have a book at the end of it, then your process is right. And that's, that's fine. And that work that's what works for you. And I think um, it can be hard sometimes to like withstand that pressure and really just like stay true to what works best for you. And I keep thinking that I'll go back to like, maybe this time if I outline, it'll work. <laughs> um, and it never does. So just staying true, like, just don't, don't shake it up if it works. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw, um, I was going to say a tweet, but it was a thread. It was not a tweet. It was a thread. Ooh, from, new era. New era. <laughs> from somebody, I can't remember who it was. And they were like, you know, I have to outline my like, second book and like why did nobody tell me like how life-changing outlining is and I was like oh my god that was not my experience at all oh, <laughs> I know but I was like I mean I guess that's that is cool if you try different things and you find something that works for you yeah um that's awesome but I was just like you 
you must be doing a different kind of outlining than I have tried to do. <laughs> it was actually um, National Novel Writing Month, which I pronounce NaNoWriMo. Other people pronounce it NaNoWriMo. <laughs> well, I like NaNoWriMo. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the goal is to get 50,000 words down in, in the month of November. And the recommendation was right now, edit later. Um, and the, that was the first time I had actually heard that advice was when I started writing. Um, and oh, goodness, it's been I've been doing that for very, very many years now. Um, but that that right now, edit later advice kind of resonated with me at that point. Um, and so I was like, OK, I'll give it a try. Like These people know what they're talking about. Um, and it worked. There you go. That's amazing. I love Nano. All right. Actually, this episode is going to publish on November 1st. <gasps> so are you going to do Nano this year? I I think I am. Um, I, I probably will. I, so I have two kids who um, their lives make my life chaos <laughs> um, in the very best way. So it always kind of depends on what they have going on, um, whether or not I'll have the time. But they're finally at the age now where I go in to my little cave um it's literally a crawl space that has been converted into a writing area um, i go in and shut the door and they know it means i am in writing mode and so they entertain themselves um so hopefully yes hopefully i will be participating this year that's a magical <laughs> time <laughs> that's a magical time when you can finally do that with your kids like mm -hmm. just close the door and be like okay don't talk to me mm -hmm. <laughs> so unless you're bleeding <laughs> find something to do and usually my house will remain intact i'm always like unless it's an emergency and an emergency <laughs> means you are bleeding or you just threw up that <laughs> yes. you stay away <laughs> oh man amazing um well we wanted to talk today about something that we haven't really chatted about on the podcast before but it's something that um it's interesting, like, I feel the further I get into publishing, the less I work with critique partners. Mm. And I really kind of miss that stage Me in too. the process because my CPs were so, so essential to yeah. my earliest books. And, and really, like, many of them, like, I have one CP who has been with me, like, since the first terrible thing I wrote, you know, and God bless her that she stuck with me and didn't just like totally abandon me. Um, but I just, it's hard when you're on deadlines and contracts to have the time to go back to those CPs. Um, and I, I miss that step in the process. So I would love to hear from you, Amber, just like, I think first, a lot of people struggle with finding their CPs. So maybe we should start there. It's like, how did yeah. you originally connect with your people? It took a while. So I I didn't even realize CPs were a thing for the longest time. I assumed you wrote a book and you sent it off to a publisher and they said, this is great. Here, have money. <laughs> um, and then I started doing some research and found out that's not at all how this works. Um, mm -hmm. So <laughs> I um, I was looking around to see, um, first of all, if I could find any workshops that I could take to kind of move through this process and figure out how everything worked. And in these workshops I was signing up for, people were talking about sending your drafts to your critique partners to help them or to have them help you, you know, find your, your story and hone it before you query it, um, which was a whole other word I had never heard before. Um, so I started looking for critique partners and I was trying to connect on social media, which is a big wild place that um, I have never really felt comfortable in to begin with. And then trying to find people to say, hey, do you want to read my writing was even worse. <laughs> um, so I ended up on, uh, there was this critique group matching um, website that I, I think it's gone now. Um, it was called the, oh goodness, I can't remember what it was called now. Um, but I ended up getting randomly matched with my critique partners through that. And we clicked instantly. It was a perfect match. We, we sent in like the first couple of pages of what we were working on and just kind of some <laughs> basic ideas for what we were looking for 
for the people we were going to be working with. And um, whatever matching magic they did behind the scenes was amazing. Um, and we met, we met in 2020. So all the lockdown stuff was still ongoing. Um, it was nice to have every Friday we would meet and talk about books and exchange pages. And um, we kind of built our own little community when we couldn't actually go out <laughs> anywhere mm. to be part of another you know, in-person community. Um, so it was great. It was, it worked out really well. And I've heard other people have struggled to connect with critique partners and it's taken a few matches to really find somebody that they clicked with. Um, so I was so, so lucky to be matched with the people that I was matched with. That's amazing. Fallon, how did you find yours? I was just thinking about that. And I think um, we originally connected um, in a Facebook group um, that has got, I think it still exists. I'm not on Facebook anymore, Um, but I think the group still exists. They might've changed their name though. It was all in the kissing, I think is what the group was called. Um, (laughs) And it was a bunch of Pitch Wars alum who had started the Facebook group. Um, And so it's all romance people. And like, that was when I really, so I found my uh, CP Haley who read my first not good romance. (laughs) God bless. (laughs) Um, And then she also like, she helped me with the book that ended up getting into pitch wars. Mm-hmm. You know, she read Lisa on Love before, um, you know, it went out on submission and all of that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, and she's been the one that I've kind of come back to the most. And then uh, I also have one of my Pitch Wars people. It's like one of my my top CPs too. Um, so Pitch Wars was a good way to meet. But that obviously, I feel like, I feel like it must be a struggle now because I feel like you used to meet your CPs on Facebook groups, on Twitter, in competitions like Pitch Wars. And now all of those things are sort of like drifting off into the ether. And I don't even know where you would go to find a CP at this point in time, which makes me very sad because they really are essential. Maybe we should host an Instagram CP match. We should do that. Or CP swap cool. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I met my I'm writing so I that met... down. <laughs> we'll forget. Um, we'll forget if, we, if it's not written down, it doesn't exist. Um, so I met Jenny L. Howe, who has now published The Makeup Test and On the Plus Side coming out this December. Um, in 2015 on Twitter. And... You know, Twitter used to have like, what was the, like different hashtags where you would post your lines like WIP Mm -hmm. Friday or one line Friday, something like that. And um, so we were familiar with each other there. And eventually we just like praised each other's lines enough that we were like, let's swap. (laughs) And it was amazing. And now we've been like super amazing friends for so long. And then the my other friend, Renee Reynolds, who um, is a part of an anthology called Transmogrify, which, which just came out this summer. So Renee, we met through an official like CP match. Um, an author named Kimberly Vanderhorst hosted it. I think it was also back in like 2015, 2016. And Renee and I were already friendly from Twitter. Um, and then... Like the CP match was you posted like a sample of your writing and then people could comment and be like, let's swap. Um, and Renee and I basically already knew we wanted to work together. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And we've been friends ever since too, but yeah, it's like, it, it can, it really can be tricky, especially now. Like there aren't as many of those writing hashtags, um, at least that not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard because, um, like, everybody is migrating away from Twitter and threads. Yeah, no, it's it's still Twitter. Um, (laughs) And threads at this point, 
I don't think has the capability of hashtags, at least at the time when we are recording this mm. in September, um, which that makes it a problem because you can't just like, you know, click on a hashtag and see all of the, all of the threads. So once they have that capability, I think maybe threads would be an okay place, but also I feel like there's not nearly the same amount of people that you would find. So I don't know. Um, I feel like a lot of the writing community is moving to Slack and Discord too, Mm. um, because it's more contained. um, Yeah. And people are making connections in in those spaces, um, which takes a lot of the matching out of the, you know, the public areas and it makes it more in these smaller communities that have been built. So it's another layer of difficulty there. Yeah. But that's nice. That's nice that it's a little bit more contained and it feels in like a safer space, I think. Oh, good. yeah. Yeah. I mean, reaching yeah. out and saying, hey, does anybody want to read my stuff uh, was super intimidating on social media. Yeah. So um, I'm definitely more likely to, in a smaller space where I've gotten to know people, say, you know, hey, you want to swap some pages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so did you work with CPs on uh, text appeal? I did. So I had written the first draft, the zero draft, and then I had revised it. And then I had revised it again. <laughs> and went, this is not working. Um, and at that point, I hadn't really been focused so much on the romance aspect because it was still my revenge book. <laughs> um, and so I connected with my CPs and they read what was, I think, my third draft. And um, we pulled out the pieces the, the romance elements and they focused on those more um, and shifted it a little bit from revenge to romance, um, which was exactly what it needed. <laughs> Amazing. Sorry, my kid's school is calling me, so I'm going to mute myself and you guys can continue. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got this. Oh, my gosh, I, that's always stressful when the school calls. <laughs> oh, um, hopefully, hopefully everything's okay. Um, wait, okay. So it went from revenge to romance. Were there certain aspects that you chose to highlight or how did you like amplify the romance? I moved Toby, the love interest closer to the beginning of the book. Um, because he, he made appearances, but he wasn't really the focus point. Um, so he got shifted earlier. Um, and then, um, a lot of the interactions that they have, were kind of grown um, through through the editing process. Um, he was always he was always there, and he was always a an important part. And I I always knew that they were they were meant to be. Um, but it wasn't until I started really pulling at those threads that he really grew into the love interest that he was. Oh, amazing! Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. Um... When editing Morgan and Rachel, yeah, I definitely had to like, uh, we were talking about like amplifying romance in our um, later drafts Mm. and how in the event of love in its earliest form, like I just was still learning how to craft romance and, you know, didn't realize like that the ultimate question in a romance is will they or won't they end up together, which obviously they will, but it's the getting there, right? Right. so yeah, I had to learn how to bring that front and center as well. And at one point, I think it almost became like so much about real estate. <laughs> I mean, I also like real estate, but <laughs> I went on a one-hour um, research stretch of looking into wastewater treatment plants so that I can make one little joke that didn't even make it into the book, but it was just. <laughs> I was just reading, I was on Wikipedia and I'm like reading all about wastewater treatment plants, trying to find the perfect pun. Um, and it yeah. didn't even stay in the book. So yeah, that's highly relatable. Oh my God. I love it when that happens. I know. Oh my God. That's amazing now. Um, okay. But I definitely think we should do this Instagram CP thing. I think that would be cool. Yeah, like a CP page swap and people can just connect in the comments or something. Yeah. All right. Well, Amber, thank you for inspiring that. 
Love Amazing. It. Well, speaking of things that are inspired, today we're going to talk about one of my all-time like top five favorite yes. movies, which is 10 Things I Hate About You. Even just like thinking about it, it just makes me smile because it just is like so absolutely perfect. Um, so Amber, how did this movie come into your life and what makes it so awesome? Yes. Not a day goes by where I don't think of this movie. <laughs> I am 100% serious. So many things in my life like this movie is is just everything to me um I was in high school <laughs> I don't want to admit that but I was in high school when it came out Same. Um, me too me too <laughs> millennial uh, what elder millennial <laughs> <laughs> um I went to the theater to see it and I think I went alone I was having this like independent streak I was like, I don't need any, anybody. I can go watch this movie. And I, <laughs> I, I watch it all of the time. I ended up, I had it on DVD. I had it, no, I had it on VHS. And then I bought it on DVD. And then yes. I didn't want to haul out my DVD player to watch it. So I, I bought the digital version of it because why not have three copies of this movie? <laughs> mm -hmm. It's what it deserves. You need it. You need it. <laughs> um. Top three moments in the movie, go. <laughs> um, can you ever just be whelmed? <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, the bleachers. The bleachers. I mean. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's the song we danced to. That was our first dance at our wedding. Is that song? Yeah. I'm jealous. It's <laughs> a good one. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that movie was just like the perfect combination of all the things that when you're a teenager, like, it was hilarious. It was full of hot guys and hot girls. Oh. <laughs> like, everybody in that movie is stunning. Um, And like, I love the scene where they're at the party and julia styles is like dancing on the table same even though i'm short i would still make it happen <laughs> and uh heath ledger just what like mm. a defining moment i R.I.P. Like, um, I know. He just melted every single part of my body. And I was like, um, has there ever been a more attractive human? I don't think every so. Every guy I write has curly hair. And yes. like, I 100% attribute that to him in this movie. <laughs> it's so true. Um, He's like one of those actors where you can tell, like, he's a good kisser. Oh, yeah. like you <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. I agree. <laughs> I agree. You can just, you can see it. And it's not like an easily definable quality, but you can just look at him and know. And you, you just know. Okay, but yes. like also the the paintball scene when he like slides his hand along her cheek. I mean, my knees Smash. every time. Yes, <laughs> badass of badasses. You can't take that. It's no like, movie can take it. I'm just now realizing that I have a text appeal playlist on Spotify, and that's the first song on my text appeal playlist. Yeah. And nice. I had never made this connection until just now, but that absolutely, yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks I love that um I was just thinking earlier I was like I know a lot of people talk about like the mummy being like the bisexual awakening movie but I think it actually might be 10 things I hate about you I right? yeah cosine I feel like that should be on the same level at least right <laughs> like... it's a very controversial <laughs> statement but I am willing to back you up on that <laughs> 
we share a brain. I was literally thinking that two minutes ago. I was like, wait, there's a mummy. There's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Ten things I hate about you. Zorro. Zorro also. Zorro. We all had a really good time in the 90s. (laughs) We are all bisexual. If you were growing up in the 90s. Um, has there been a bisexual awakening movie released lately? I can't think of any, but maybe that's just because I am old. Oh, is it? Uh, plus one. Plus, oh, plus one. So I was watching that one recently. It's got Jack Quaid and very Maya. (laughs) Isn't it Maya, um, from pen 15? Potentially. I'm so bad when you're talking about okay. <laughs> terrible. Ooh, I'm watching that one recently. And I was like, all right, all right. So this one came out many, many years before. Like this one could have been one of those movies that I was like, hmm. <laughs> am I into both of you? I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not gonna expect this one, but I just saw Blue Beetle. Oh yeah, and the, the like the love interests are. I was like, I am old, okay. but hello. <laughs> I think they're in college. It's fine. They're over eighteen. You're good. <laughs> oh man, um, that's so interesting. I want to do a study now on like bisexual awareness movies through the course of time. Happy Bisexual Awareness Week. This yeah. is a very appropriate topic. Good timing, everyone. And happy Bisexual Awareness Week to the bisexual flag on the laptop on Text Appeals cover. Woo-hoo. I was so excited when they let, let me put that on there. They, they were like, that. do you have any like changes you want to make? And I was like, okay, can we please put a bi flag on the laptop? And they were like, yes, let's do that. <laughs> I cheered, jumped up and down, I clapped. <laughs> Gotta love a bi-supportive publisher. Yes. I just came up with that <laughs> term. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! Um, now I want to go watch Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, true, I might have to do that today. Yeah, that's a good one. It's just so good. Makes me happy every time. I know. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well. I wish you all could see what Amber is wearing because it is basically perfection for the next thing we're going to chat about, which is the super spooky locations in your home. I almost said hometown. My God, home state of Vermont. (laughs) Number of people who ask me what state is that in when I say I'm from Vermont is is way more than it should be. Uh, oh my goodness I'll blame that on COVID but um that <laughs> probably wasn't really happening in my brain um but you were wearing like the most perfect flannel shirt I'm obsessed with it mm-hmm. and I wish it were cold enough here that I could be wearing it um <laughs> but you have some spooky locations in Vermont and we want to hear about them because it's spooky season <laughs> I so, okay, one of my favorite places to write is a cemetery. Um, and just not any specific cemetery, like any cemetery. I like to sit down against a tree and hang out and write. It's, I just love it. I love the vibes. Uh, I don't have to be writing anything spooky. I just like to be there. Um, so I, you would think I'm not easily freaked out, but I am. <laughs> I am a chicken. I can't watch horror movies without uh, cowering. I can't even watch trailers. For horror movies uh, without getting totally freaked out. Uh, but I spent many, many years wandering around Vermont, checking out the spookiest locations I could because for some reason in my 20s, I thought scaring myself was fun, I guess. <laughs> um, so Montpelier is our capital. It's super tiny. Um, Fun fact, it doesn't have a McDonald's, and it's the only state capital in the country that doesn't have a McDonald's. Um, We're very proud of that fact. I'm locking locking that away because you know that's on a trivia somewhere. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, 
there is a cemetery, the Green Man Cemetery, um, that has some really spooky stories attached to it. And um, I, so I went there once, I was like 18 or 19, and did this super gothy photo shoot. Um, and oh my. only afterward did I find out that one of the headstones I was posing by is supposed to be haunted. Um, and so I found that out and like, we had prints made of the photo Ooh. shoot and the one where I'm next to that uh, headstone. I was like, here, mom, do you want this one? I'm not hanging this in my house. Um, <laughs> Does it have like an orb? Were there orbs um, in the photos? Goodness. I, I'm going to say no, because I don't <laughs> want to think about that. <laughs> Lens flares. <laughs> um, there, I did go. So there's a bridge in Stowe, Vermont. It's called Emily's Bridge, and um, there, there was supposed to be um, a, a jilted lover waiting um, for her her man to meet her there, and they were going to run away together and um, start a life somewhere. And he never showed up, um, and so she was supposed to have died at the bridge. Um, and I've been there many times after dark, and have taken pictures. And there were orbs in those pictures. <gasps> I was gonna, I was gonna say I don't know what about it, but just the name Emily's Bridge Emily's sounds <laughs> creepy. And it's a it's a covered bridge, and it's on a a dirt road. So Vermont has a ton of dirt roads. They're, they're not paved; they're just just dirt, and not even gravel. It's just dirt. <laughs> uh, and you go down this long winding hill, and um, there are evergreens on either side of the road, and they kind of feel like they're closing in on you. And then you come to this big curve that opens up to a parking area next to a covered bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and during day, it looks super pretty, but at night, <laughs> especially I used to go a lot um, during fall and winter when it got darker earlier. And when, when it was winter, the snow would sparkle and glitter and the moon would catch on the, the snow banks and made it extra eerie. Um, and I loved going there. Um, I don't think I could do it anymore. I think if I went, after dark, I would run away. <laughs> um, but there are stories of people driving the car up onto the bridge and stopping. You're supposed to stop and wait. And um, the ghost will scratch the roof of your car. And um, so on the nights that I went to hang out there, I would stay off to the side and listen as these cars drove up onto the bridge and everybody would scream and scream and then they'd peel out and they'd drive away screaming. Um, and I never saw anything happening, um, but everybody in the car obviously heard something or they tricked themselves into believing they did. Um, so it was really, it was, it was kind of fun to be on that end of things, sitting there and listening and just watching other people get freaked out. Um <laughs> Oh my god! Imagine putting like a Bluetooth speaker on the roof of your car and like playing the scratching from your phone and like scaring the shit out of everybody in your car. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's what's in the bridge already. There's just like a Bluetooth speaker in the ceiling. So, um, the the book that I am currently working on actually involves this bridge and that scenario <laughs> yes i can't remember more about it right now but um <laughs> amazing um i like got chills like just listening to you like talk about that like i'm such a wuss i could not handle that at all <laughs> like i've already freaked out <laughs> i'm all across the country <laughs> like, um that's I could super cool Booth, the ghost, who um, lives at the Green Mountain Inn, and he tap dances on the roof when there's a snowstorm. <gasps> okay. Well, Write that down so I don't ever stay there. <laughs> I'm definitely staying there. Wait, wait. <laughs> why, why, why does he tap dance? I think that he was trying to save somebody who was on the roof and the, saved the person, but he ended up dying. And so he's stuck on the roof and he tap dances there. Um, oh my God. Was he a dancer? Um, he must have been. I don't know. He must have been. If he, I mean, I can't tap dance. Can you? <laughs> I mean, not well. 
<laughs> I think the question is not can you, is should you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, I feel like there are people listening to this who are like, ooh, I'm using that in a book. <laughs> Tell me, Fallon, do you have any like iconic creepy spots in your town? I don't think we do. Um, to be fair, I haven't lived here all that long. Um, but I don't know. All the creepy spots I know about are in LA. Um, I have stayed at the Hollywood, the Roosevelt Hotel more than once. Um, it's one of my favorite hotels, but it's where Marilyn Monroe died. Oh. Um, so they say that the room where she died is haunted by the ghost of Marilyn. Um, and uh, the Magic Castle in LA, if you haven't been there, is super spooky and weird and creepy and amazing and cool. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if there's anything around me. Sorry. Anything around you, Court? There are a couple things. I In high school, I don't even know the name of it. I just know that... There is a, I mean, this alone is super creepy, but it's like a rundown, boarded up, um, old, I don't even know, like, the appropriate name now, but it was, like, an asylum. Okay, asylum, yeah. Um, Like, up a canyon, and a lot of friends from high school would go there. I was never allowed to go. God, so rude. But like they would go there at night and try and like stay as long as they could until they would like freak each other out and then leave. Uh, so there's that. Just, you know, light, creepy light. <laughs> kidding. That's like the scariest shit ever. And then um, my cat just threw the remote control. <laughs> um, that's how she feels about that. And then there is a... Maybe it was a ghost. um there is a ghost town called mentryville where people go and take like cute family photos it's like (laughs) no they really do um but like the it's a preserved ghost town and it's said that there are like the original owners like the ghosts of the original owners who still haunt the houses and if you go there like you can hear them and everything (laughs) i will will pass on that (laughs) yeah i keep wanting like making i I keep asking my family to go and they're like no like why not (laughs) jesus maybe you need to write a spooky book and then you could be like guys it's research i need to go yeah research when in doubt call it research Another one I've been to is like way east California toward like the border of Nevada called Bodie Ghost Town. Ooh, Mm. that's very cool. Very creepy. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I think we have a bunch of those in California because of all of the the mining mining towns that popped up. And then once the mining drew or once the mining... (laughs) Once the mines were empty. Yeah. <laughs> How to speak today. Um, yeah, I've been to some of those little ghost towns. Most of them are like so touristy now that they don't feel like creepy. It just mm-hmm. feels like a little bit weird. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they preserve them so much that it's like, yeah. is this authentic? <laughs> <laughs> There's a place around here. It's um, an old castle. It's called Wilson Castle. And they have go hunting crews um, go and stay overnight. And you can buy a ticket to stay overnight with the crews as they film. And I'm like, this is absolutely going to be a thing I do for research for my book. But um, also, I need somebody who's really brave to come with me and like hold my hand. <laughs> you win. That is the yeah. coolest thing ever. That is cool. They have a room that has a door. And they say that they've never opened the door and they don't know what's behind it. And so there's just this room, but like, I guess they're supposed to hear sounds coming from in that area and the, the ghost hunting crews come and they like check it out and they don't know what's behind it and they're not opening the door. And, um, I kind of want to know what's back there, but I also really, really don't want to know what's back there. 
um, and I want to look at it, but I really don't want to be anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. I love it. No, I want no part of it. <laughs> I talk a big game right now, but I would never do any of this. That's why I <laughs> too scared. Have you ever heard of the Winchester Mansion? Ooh, I've heard of it. Yes. So it's a bit north of me. And um, I am like dying to go there, theoretically, like over the (laughs) Halloween season. Um, But it sounds like the scariest shit ever. So Sarah Winchester, like the widow of... uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. But um, like... (laughs) Like Winchester, like uh, like rifles, right? The guns, so like, yeah. yeah, and like her family died, and oh my god, I feel like I should like not be saying this out loud. But there's like a, there's like a whole movie. There's a whole movie about her. So she, like, all of this disaster befell their family, right? So she moved to this house with like acreage in California. It's like I don't know Northern California central um and she was haunted by the ghosts of victims from you know her husband's invention so they in order to like evade them and try to trick them she built onto this house like a maze so like she would have hallways with dead ends and like she she had so much money and she just kept building 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 onto this ha- <laughs> we like flashlights rolled up like under our chins <laughs> yeah. and now they give tours of it um and it's like so scary and, and she would try she was trying to like make amends to these victims and like their families it was like oh god oh god yeah, sorry. that's too much for me. That's too much. Yeah, sorry. Maybe, maybe trigger warning for that one. A little too late. Dancing ghosts and, and yeah. like... I'll take the tap dancing. Yeah. I like the tap dancing one. I have like burned some rosemary in my house now, even just for saying that out loud. <laughs> All right, Amber. Well, you have given us some hints about what you are working on next, um, which it's okay if you can't share all the details, but... Whatever you can share, we want to hear all about it. I am working on um, a mid-heavy revision phase on a book that features a homebody um, who lives in an inherited house and doesn't want to leave her small Vermont town because it's where she feels home and comfortable um, until a suave and sexy um co-director of a ghost hunting documentary comes into town to research the spooky tales that take place in her town um and it turns out that the tales he is researching come from a vlog that she had in 2005 um and so she wants to pair up with him to ensure that the stories that he is telling don't get disproven since she put a lot of effort into making them up. Amazing. Oh my God. (laughs) Need this immediately. Um, Do you have a release date yet? Not yet. No. I could not give you my money faster. (laughs) (laughs) If you just want to slide that into our emails at any point in time, (laughs) we would be okay with that. That's scary, even though there are ghosts involved, because I'm way too much of a chicken to write actually scary things. (laughs) I love it. Um, We will be anxiously awaiting that one. Um, So before we let you go, can you let our listeners know where to find you on social media so we can keep up with your ghosts? (laughs) Absolutely. I am on Instagram and threads and TikTok and all of the other things, blue sky, um, Amber Roberts writes, and then I am on Twitter <laughs> slash X at a Roberts writes. Um, and we will see if I'm still there by the time this actually yeah. the pain in your voice. Twitter. I know. <laughs> we feel it. We feel that with you. Um, well, Amber, this has been a delightful conversation. I cannot wait to watch 10 Things I Hate About You tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. 
No Thank ghost you. stories. Just 10 things. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm skipping the ghost stories and going right to uh, the bisexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well thank you so much for being here we really appreciate you coming to chat with us yeah thank you so much had so much fun <laughs> and happy debut yes. thanks excited <laughs> all right and listeners thank you for listening and we'll chat with you more next week Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore k k a e on all social media platforms and you can find me fallon ballard at fallon ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media if you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to zachary kibby and matt ballard for our amazing theme song thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time